0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Mukesh Singmar. Welcome, Mukesh.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me, Brian. Um, Mukesh, your your business, C-Response, can you tell us a little bit about how that started and where it came from?
1: Yeah, so uh, I I used to work at a software company uh, as a marketing manager and worked, uh, and that was a fairly large software company, worked there for about nine years. And then later I... uh, Worked as a director of marketing at another very large software company. So while doing, you know, my work as an employee, I realized, you know, I can do it for many more companies, and that's when you know the idea came to start uh, the company with my other co-founder.
0: And what are you, what are you predominantly doing?
1: Uh, primarily, we focus on few things like marketing automation, uh, email marketing, and uh, lately we've been doing uh, very well in the SEO space, also.
0: Ah, terrific. So when you were, you know, you made the transition from uh employee to starting your own business, how did you how did you get your first couple of clients? What happened?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, first few were references, you know, like uh usually happens with most agencies that, you know, your uh ex employees or ex colleagues, you know, they would refer business to you. But then what worked really well for us in terms of getting clients was uh cold email marketing so we would reach out to prospects uh, cold on an email and then uh would get on a call to book a meeting and then would close from there so i would say our first 25 clients at least came mm-hmm. from just referrals and cold emails and majority of them came from cold emails so much so that later we started selling cold email as a service so you know we kind of eating our own dog food to say uh, because that's what got us the clients and then later on you know we helped our clients get more business using cold email
0: so tell me a little bit more about that cuz cold email is one of those things you either love it or you hate it how are the response rates and how are you able to be effective in an environment where that seems to be um uh, almost spammy so like walk me through that a little bit
1: yeah i think there is there is a very fine difference between cold emails and spamming and that's where you either win or lose so the three main things when it comes to cold emails. One is your copy has to be good, your delivery has to be there. I mean, either way, you know, if you're not getting into inboxes, there's no point of sending e- emails. So you 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 will be landing into spam or junk or promotion. So that's the other thing. And finally, just you know, the audience that you are targeting. So what happens when you're not really sure about who to target? Those emails you know, would end up getting into spam because those people will start flagging your emails. Uh, it's, Mm -hmm. you, you have to send to the right people and to a question about response rates. We've been getting very good response rates for ourselves and for our clients also. What is Um,
0: what's a very good response rate just to help baseline the expectations here.
1: Yeah. So on average, like 30% to 50% open rates across all campaigns. And then from there, you know, if it is, uh, a call to action where somebody wants to book a demo then i'm getting at least 4 to 8% conversion from the open rates to a demo
0: wow that sounds uh sounds pretty powerful so when you're um uh when you're working with clients on these i mean this is i mean clearly you've you've dug for your own product so we're having a conversation about lead gen and, and you are, uh, you're using the product that you're talking about, how do you deal with clients that don't have the in-house expertise to do things like write email? It sounds like it's a fr- pretty nuanced uh, distinction between spam and quality content. So how do you make that distinction, and how do you get your clients uh, further down that path?
1: Yeah, so we also have uh, in-house content writers and copywriters who Ah. can help come up with the best copy. Uh, Really what we use is like we start with a core message. Uh, Essentially, it's problems that uh, my client's audience may have and what solutions can they offer. So really the copy is not too long. You know, it's very centered around that problem and solution. So you start with uh, agitating on the problem Mm -hmm. and then you provide a solution and, of course, a call to action. So at a high level, there are just three major components to that email. And that's where I think, you know, in my own experience, I've gone wrong in the past where I try to put too much in the email and then it doesn't work. So you have to be like, problem, what the problem is, how you're going to solve it and the call to action. That's about it.
0: Your your clients probably also, when they come on, they're, they they they're, uh, I, I know when I was a, a young entrepreneur, I came on very strong trying to be like, let me put all of the things in my marketing all the stuff i can do all the stuff that i can all the problems i can solve and it just was overwhelming for our for my client base or my prospects how do you how do you rein the clients in on that one
1: yeah i mean sometimes it's hard to do that to be honest yeah but yeah you have to i mean you have to experiment and prove so that's the best way to do it like keep doing experiments once something works you know then there's more uh, belief in that
0: so yeah so you're A-testing, using yeah, you're using email predominantly for your new client acquisition, which is, um, which is pretty interesting. What um uh, from a just from a baseline perspective, how how you said it's got a thirty you know thirty to fifty percent open rate, which is awesome. You've got a uh, conversion rate of somewhere around four to eight percent. So you're sending out, you know. Is there a top end on that? Can you send out a thousand emails and magically get forty clients? I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, we can. Some some industry segments have more than a thousand. Some just have five hundred thousand. Depends on what segment you are targeting. If it is really niche, you know, maybe there are less people in that. But yeah, there has been a client uh, where we we only sent five hundred emails and get four uh, four new business uh, booked. So. It varies uh, depends on, you know, what Mm. kind of campaign it is. Uh, There has been a client where we are sending uh, hundred thousand emails per month, but that's more informational where, you know, they are updating their database uh, and then they are kind of sending news and updates every month.
0: Are there, are there industries where the direct email marketing doesn't work?
1: Uh, In my experience, I think, uh, If you want to reach the top level people, like C-level people, especially in finance and accounting and those functions, uh, even in tech at times, it does not work as well. Uh, There was a campaign we did. We failed miserably. Uh, We were targeting CFOs uh, for a product of our clients. Uh, For two months, no one responded, Wow! like zero responses.
0: (laughs) So in those situations, what do you do next?
1: Yeah, I think then uh, we realized that uh, inbound is a better way to go and that's why we we have been able to build our uh, seo service so well Uh anywhere in the us if you search for b2b marketing services uh we show up on the first page anywhere in the us if you search for startup marketing company we show up as i think number one result and then again once we once we were able to perfect that model for our own business we started selling it as a service so for for those clients where email is not working well we offer SEO as a service, along with content and many other things. Uh, of course, content is a big piece of SEO today. It's not like 10 years back where you can stuff in a bunch of keywords and still rank. So yeah, content marketing along with SEO. And that's that's a longer game. Uh, it takes a while uh, before. But once you get established, then it's passive. You know, it's free, organic. So uh, that's what we offer. Yeah.
0: So one of the things that, that I struggle with with, uh, with my client base is... Um, helping them understand how to to automate that entire process. It's a it's one thing to create compelling content. It's one thing to create a great email campaign. It's another thing if it doesn't connect to essentially the checking account, right? <laughs> so yeah. if if they can't go through from interest all the way through to payment, um, you don't really have an automated. Uh, onboarding system, or, or 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 anything like that, to get your clients on into your uh, into your organization. So, um, when when it comes to that, how much counseling do you do with your client base on those kind of uh, issues?
1: Yeah, we do face that, huh? and the bigger the company, more the issues like that, because you have so many leads coming in, and not everybody is ready to buy. And sometimes it's a good problem to have because uh you know you have so many prospects and then at least the lights are on but what we then do is uh which is one of our other services which which we call marketing automation and Mm. sales automation also at times uh is to make sure all the leads that get into the funnel are nurtured properly Uh, Mm. to give an example for a software company that can be free trials so let's say somebody signed up for a free trial now we will send them a welcome sequence and then on the way They will get email communication, which is very specific to how they can use the product better, what other options they have, when can they sign up for a premium plan, and so on and so forth. So uh, marketing automation and lead nurturing is a big piece of uh, of our services today that we offer just to make sure that the sales team at our client side is spending their time uh, in a way which is useful. So they're not like talking to everyone if they're not ready. Uh, the other leads are getting nurtured while they are only talking to the to the people who are actually ready to be sold. It gotcha. saves so much time, and you know, of course, it's it it has a huge impact on on the revenue.
0: Gotcha. And so, as you start the uh, the campaign process, it sounds like you've got a, a pretty tight set of service offerings that you yourself essentially have tested on your own. Um, Podcast Chef is the same way. We we tested podcasting for our own lead gen, and it works out really really well. Um, when, when somebody wants to get started with email marketing or, um, or the SEO kind of services, what type of, uh, runway do you need both in budget and in, uh, in time to make that effective? Some folks will go and they'll spend, for example, you know, they'll spend, you know, $5,000 on, on Google ads and do that for one month and go up. Yeah, it didn't work. I'm out how long, how long of a runway and how much spend do you need typically to make uh make headway in this space
1: yeah so that's the good thing about email uh marketing it's it's really inexpensive uh, in fact there is a study by a very uh popular email software provider called campaign monitor and they in the in the research they did uh it says every dollar that you spend on email marketing you get about $37 so that's a thirty-seven dollar, thirty-seven hundred percent ROI, uh, and it's also quick. See, your emails go into inboxes. Uh, if somebody is interested, they respond right away. So there is no wait time to say uh, mm-hmm. if somebody is interested, they will respond. If they are not, you know, you you, you know the results fairly quickly, as opposed to uh, something like you know an SEO or ads. And ads is a very competitive space. Uh, Google, even you know, in the B2B space where we operate, LinkedIn. If you think about LinkedIn ads, they're super expensive. Uh, I mean, just out of budget of some of the small businesses and startups. And startups is the space that we uh, we work with. So most of our clients have been tech startups, um, and it's just hard for them unless they have funding uh, from VCs and uh, you know, to to do like Google ads consistently.
0: So um, is there a, a period of time in the beginning where? you have to uh, practice getting the messaging sequence correct. I mean, with with like a typical ad campaign, right? You have to try the ads, you do split testing, you make sure this ad works and and that takes, that's part of that time onboarding ramp. Do you have that similar uh, setup with email?
1: Uh, for some clients, yes. We usually need some time to get the message perfect. Uh, for some it has worked right away. Uh, And and the reason for that is we have worked with 120 companies uh, just in the US for this service. So we have gained so much experience failing and winning that you know, we know kind of what the perfect copy will be, how the emails will go into inboxes and what audience should we target. And that formula is what we translate into any new client that comes on board. Now it still fails. I'm not saying that's a perfect formula and that's where we start doing A-B test on copy and then audience and list and whatnot. And within copy also like the multiple things we test like subjects and body and call to actions and everything else in between. So I would say yes uh, and no. Sometimes right away you get good results, but sometimes you have to keep testing. And like I gave you the CF, for example, sometimes it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> then you have to say, yeah, we move to another channel. Yeah.
0: Right. And then you move to SEO, which you said it's got a much longer on-ramp. Yeah. Yeah. What, is the, what does that look like?
1: Uh, depends on how how much competition you have. Like if you want to launch another Facebook today, well... 80 years, maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it would take much longer. Uh, but if if you you are in a niche which is where not too many players, uh, maybe lesser time. It it, it it's a thing uh, which which needs two major components. Uh, one is uh, the best keyword that you can target. They should not be very competitive, and your domain authority which is how Google, you know, uh, ranks you, I mean, how Google uh, sees you in terms of like a scale of one to 100. So like Facebook is I think 99 or 98. So if your domain authority is above 30, then you start getting good traction for the same keywords. What you would get if your domain authority was only 10. Oh, so gotcha. make sure your domain authority is good and target the right keywords with the right content, not like just stuff those in the content
0: and and there's um there is a balance between domain authority and things like email campaigns right you if you don't set up your email campaigns correctly you can undermine your own domain authority isn't that right
1: uh not really unless you know your your domain gets blacklisted of course that's a different issue
0: oh uh, they're, they're not the same so domain <laughs> no. authority and email have nothing to do with it no no so no. all of these um so the services like that warm up your inbox and stuff like that the uh the uh, services that do that. That's just to prevent you from getting blacklisted. It has no benefit to your domain authority at all.
1: Yeah, blacklisted, but also to to get like get into inboxes. Like you may never get blacklisted mm-hmm. for sending emails, but you still cannot get into inboxes if you're not doing correctly. Ah, so you. it's not like a binary thing that you know either you're blacklisted or you're getting in, into inboxes. Yeah. But yeah, domain authorities where it's It's more to do with backlinks on your website. Let's say more and more websites are linking back to you, then your gotcha. domain authority goes up. Uh, to give you an example, let's say Forbes mentions you and then uh, Washington posts uh, Washington Post mentions you and New York Times mentions you. So you are getting juice like an SEO juice from all these big authoritative th- th- authoritative publications right and suddenly your domain authority will go up i mean you can you can get links from like 150 200 small uh, you know bad websites but if you get like two from good websites that's that's so much more uh, valuable
0: that's uh, that's why the the .gov backlinks are really important right if you can get those that's like or the .edu's right those are those are pretty good ones to get the isn't that why a lot of folks are writing on Forbes? like Forbes yeah. has this huge open author community isn't the reason for a lot of people doing that because they want the SEO juice
1: yeah one one of the reasons yes oh, yeah. uh, but of course you know Forbes uh, is also a good place to be if I mean the readers come in they know about your business your brand so yeah I mean it's it's both but SEO juice definitely is one of the things <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's interesting. So are there um there there were back when I was starting my practice, all the old strategies, you know, the, you mentioned the keyword stuffing is not something that people do anymore. The 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 magically uh all the alt tags and stuff like that for the images, all that's kind of like gone away. Um, are there any tried and true methods that continue to work?
1: Uh well, the titles and the descriptions on the pages, they still work. Um uh, mm-hmm variations of keywords i would say uh, one of the old school tactics they still that still works. so make sure you have all the variations because everybody is doing you know a different kind of search on the web so you you want to make sure you are uh relevant for those searches and also long form keywords uh because i'm not always searching for a specific keyword i could be searching for a query like find me a good restaurant in, uh downtown new york so you know something like that more long form should also be in your strategy yeah those are some of the old school ones but content like more i mean today it's more about the content has to make more sense and not have the right keywords only i mean it's good to have the right keywords but if it's not making sense to the question that the uh search uh, query asked uh, doesn't make uh sense you know for seo
0: have you um have you noticed uh, an influx in the AI driven content having a negative impact on SEO?
1: Uh, yes and no. <laughs> now some tools which are good uh with you know what they bring out after you give them commands on writing content, they have enhanced SEO uh, because SEO also is about putting more and more content out there. With AI, you can do a lot more. Uh, with uh I say no because some of these tools are not good. So what they <laughs> what they give you is like at times duplicate content. Right. That's a huge no-no for SEO. What they also give you at times is uh you know content which is totally lame. I mean again, going back to my original point about, about like, you know, it's it's not just putting the co- like a two thousand word article out there it also has to be something which is making sense and you know answering the question of the user so yeah if, if those ai tools uh, fail uh, in doing those or checking those boxes i think that has a negative impact on your seo mm.
0: That's interesting. I think we're going to find more and more that that's, we're going to be in a fight against human, human created content. And I mean, the AI content is almost like spinner based content at this point. It's like uh, you give it some keywords and tell it to go and maybe you get something useful, maybe not. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and what, what the search engines are going to have to do to change to make that uh, effective.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would say uh, until that, that happens, you know, let's get more content from these tools. He's <laughs> <At least laughs> a good one. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Um, it has been. I've learned a lot. Uh, Mukesh, I I want to make sure that we do a couple things, uh, before we close up shop here. Uh, first things first. Um, who is a good uh person to reach out to you, either in terms of referral or in terms of potential clients? Uh, who would you like to speak with, and how should they reach out?
1: Yeah, so uh, our, our clients, like I said, have been uh, startups uh, in the tech space. So anyone who is a CEO at a, at a startup or maybe uh, in a software company, uh, the CEO or the marketing head, uh, even the sales head sometimes, those are the best contacts you know, that we would want to speak to. How should we have them reach out? Uh, So they can uh, come to a website, book a call, uh, or they can just, you know, send an email to info at cresponse.com. Gotcha. Um,
0: And in your quest uh, to create an awesome, uh, awesome consultancy, awesome, awesome practice, what are the three biggest things you've learned in your journey so far?
1: Uh, I think three biggest things that I've learned. uh, One, just be consistent in whatever uh, you're doing. So sometimes you know initially it takes a while, but if you continue doing it, uh, then usually it it works out. Second, trust your team and have the best people. Uh, it all about it. It's all about the people. Uh, eventually, so if you have the best people, then you will be able to do things really well and finally uh just nourish the relationships with your clients so customer service i think is one of the big pieces uh, that i've learned Uh, so your your services uh have to be good but if your services are good and your customer service is not good you still are going to fail so make sure your customer service is good
0: Mm, that's sound advice Thank you so much for your time today, Mukesh. I appreciate you being on the show. Um, and we look forward to hearing more about your uh, your quest moving forward. So please be sure to circle back and let us know how things are going in a couple of months.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you, yes, you, it's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com.